0: following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. How we doing, church family? We doing all right? Well, y'all look good. As you can tell, I am not your senior pastor, Rex Johnson. He is not here tonight, but on Sunday he will be back to give you those fat-free, non-political, no-strings-attached hugs on the porch. So reason enough to rise on December 3rd. You'll want to be back on Sunday. I honor my pastor tonight. Over the last few weeks, uh, we've been studying gratitude through our series 10,000 Reasons. And uh, it's been fun. It's been a fun series. We're going to put a big bow on it tonight and end this series. But I want to start with a little review if that's okay. We started this whole thing off, this whole series off on November the 1st with this idea that unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. Unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. And we looked at the story of the 10 lepers uh, who were all healed on their way to the priest and only one returned to Jesus to give thanks. And I just have to, have to think that if we were to catch the other nine before they got to the priest to be pronounced clean, before they ran back to their families, if we were to stop them and say, hey, guys, 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 before you go home, aren't you grateful? Aren't you thankful? My guess is nine out of the nine would say, oh, yes, very much so. I'm very grateful. I, I get to sit with my kids tonight. They're going to bounce on my lap for the first time in years. Tomorrow I'm going to have a firm handshake in a business exchange. I am so grateful. Thank you, Jesus. My heart is overflowing with gratitude towards him. And yet, Jesus is standing there saying, where are the other nine? Because only one came back to give thanks. It didn't even cross these men's minds that there's an unfinished loop. There's an unfinished cycle. There's something left undone. They have no clue. I think they truly were grateful. But if you don't communicate gratefulness, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. So I challenge you in, in week number one to, to keep a running list, whether that's on social media or at home in a journal or just saying it every night, just something you're thankful for every day this month. Anybody done that? Okay, I see a couple of hands. That's awesome. Just, I think we need to practice gratitude. We need to practice, that sounds weird, but we need to practice gratitude because gratitude is not natural. If you don't believe me, feed a two-year-old, Right? You feed a two-year-old, and there's no gratitude there. They have no idea the sacrifice that you made to put this food in front of them. They just consume. That's all they know It's consume. It's not innate. It's not born in us. We have, we have to practice gratitude. What we just practiced in the offering, that's practicing gratitude. That's saying, God, I recognize every gift comes from you, and I'm going to tithe one-tenth of what you've blessed me with and give it back to you as my thanks to you for the provision that you've given in my life. So we need to practice gratitude. Okay, the second point that Pastor pointed out a few weeks ago was that gratitude sustains joy and blessings. Gratitude sustains joy and blessings. And that's why we see God instructing his people to establish ordinances all throughout Scripture to commemorate and sustain specific miracles and moments. It's kind of like in the Old Testament when the nation of Egypt was enslaving the people of Israel, God's chosen people. And God wanted to free them from captivity, and so he sends ten plagues on Egypt. You know this story in Exodus. He sends these ten plagues, and the tenth plague was the worst plague because the firstborn of every Egyptian home would die. But God, right before he he does this, the Israelites were instructed to mark their door frames, the doorpost of their homes, with the slaughtered spring lamb's blood. So when the angel of the Lord passed over their house, it would literally pass over their house and would not harm anyone in their home, but it would affect the Egyptian families. And so they still celebrate, Jews still celebrate Passover to sustain the joy and the blessing of God in that moment. Gratitude sustains joy and blessing. It's the same reason we take communion. The Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, Jesus broke the bread and as he handed it to the disciples, he said, Do this in remembrance of me. That's why we observe. That ordinance every month here. We'll do it next Wednesday. We'll hope you're here. But we take that. It's not a, a substitute. It's a symbol. It's to remind us. I've been a follower of Jesus for 30 years. I don't know about you, but I need that reminder every once in a while to say, wow, Jesus, that you did that for me, that you took on that pain. The wages of my sin is death. That's my wages. But You didn't give me what my sins deserve. You took on what my sins deserve instead. And what you gave to me is abundant life on earth and eternal life in heaven and joy unspeakable and life everlasting and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I praise you, Jesus. And I'm going to take this Lord's Supper. I'm going to take this to remember, to sustain the blessing that is the cross of Christ. And so that's what gratitude does. The third thing that we talked about, this was two weeks ago, grateful people can find a blessing, they can enlarge a blessing, or they can create a blessing in almost any situation. I'm not going to rehash the sermon, go listen to it on our podcast, but Pastor did a, a, a masterful job of talking about that. And you know the opposite is true too. Ungrateful people can find a problem in any praise report, am I right? Right? Oh, We're pregnant. Well, you're not going to sleep anymore, right? Hey, I got a raise at work. Welcome to the higher tax bracket, right? Just everything. Happy birthday to me. You're going to die soon. Like everything is just negative. You know people like this. And nobody likes being around ungrateful people, but they love being around grateful people. And grateful people find the blessings. They enlarge the blessings. They create the blessings in almost... Any situation. I got one last for you, and then I want to close the series with a challenge for us all. The fourth thought is this is that gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. Gratitude starts, it begins, it commences where my sense of entitlement ends. Now, for every generation and with every generation that precedes us and, and I'm sorry, that comes after us, I just feel like we're getting more and more entitled. And I honestly don't blame the parents. I don't I blame the culture. We live in a uh, right now, self-gratification kind of culture. Like everything, I want it, and I want it now. And I, now, and I just, everything is happening. You know, it's just it's just part of the world that we live in. And uh, things that were once privileges are kind of expectations now, and it's, it's, it's spoiled us. And I'll, I'll give you some examples. When I was growing up, we had, if you're under 20, you won't know what this is, but we had these things called cassette tapes. Now, some of you know eight-tracks, This is after 8-tracks. I wasn't in the 8-track, but I got the cassette tapes. And they would have the album, and half of it was on this side, but you had to look at the, because the other half was on the other side. And then you wanted to listen to your jam. You know, you got your jam. So you stick it in the cassette player, and then you push play. And 99% of the time, it was not on your jam. You had to hit rewind, and then you hit it again, and you just hold it. Rewind, 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 rewind. For like thirty to sixty seconds, you push play and rewind, 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 rewind. Play. I went too far. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. Play. Too far rewind. Rewind. It's close enough, right? And that's how you listen to music. And now we have the touch of a button, right? You can, if you hear a song that you say that could be my jam, that could be my new jam in a restaurant. You can shazam it, and in three seconds, you know the artist and the song title. That's that's just the kind of self gratification world that we live in. When I was growing up, you you had uh, you're watching television and uh, you see this this great show and it had a cliffhanger ending. You're like, oh man, this is tune in next week. Guess what you had to do. Tune in next week. You had to tune in next week. Now we live in a world where we can just binge watch for like every episode of the whole series if you don't have a life or kids or any responsibilities. (laughs) Uh, When I was growing up, my, my dad, for every vacation, we went to Six Flags in Dallas and Wet n Wild, which is now Hurricane Harbor. And uh, we'd go when this park opens. We'd leave when the park closes. And I might ride four rides. And it's not that I didn't want to ride every ride. I just had to stand in lines that were like three hours long because we go on a Saturday in the summertime. And now they have um, what's called the fast pass. And it's a, it's a line. There's no line in the line. You just get, oh, this is a line. There's no line in the line? Oh, i got to pay 40 bucks? I'll take that. Yes, I'll take that. I'm going to get in this line. There's no line in this line. I'll take the fast pass line. So you have those kinds of, there's all these self-gratification. Here's probably my favorite is that when, Uh, (laughs) I know you don't believe this, young people, but uh, there was a time where you had to go into stores and buy things. (laughs) You had to physically pick out Christmas presents and things and and groceries. It's crazy. And now, like, they'll deliver it to your door the same day you order it. It's pretty wild. I'm kind of, I like that one. I like that one a little bit. But like everything, you can get food delivered, not just pizza. Now, every kind of food you can imagine gets delivered to your, we're going to like, we're going to be hermits in 10 years. Everyone, we're not going to leave the house. We're going to have like uber preachers. Hey, come over to the house, Brad. I need a message. We're just going to drive to your house and preach to you in your living room. Hey, put on some shorts at least. You know something. So everything is about self-gratification. Here's my favorite. When I, when I was growing up, I got one of these because I won something. Yeah. Now we're like, hey, Johnny, hey, you didn't win a game this year, but you picked your nose real well in left field. Here you go, buddy. We give them to every kid. Every kid gets a trophy. You get a trophy. You get a trophy. But entitlement is this idea that someone owes me something, and this mindset has started to bleed over into the church a little bit. Well, God owes me. Well, I did this for God, so God owes me. God doesn't know what's anything gratitude begins where my sense of entitlement ends. And i got to stop being so entitled. I love this text out of Ecclesiastes 6.9. This is out of the New Living Translation. It says, enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless, like chasing the wind. None of us would chase the wind. That's a waste of your time. So is desiring things you don't have. So the next time you're tempted to say, I hate my car, Why don't you try saying, I'm so thankful I have a car. I'm in the top 4% of world wealth to own my own transportation. Thank you. I have a car. Oh, I hate my apartment. I wish we had a house. I hate the, I hate I'm in a house and it's too small. There's not enough room. Hey, at least you have a roof over your head. And you turned on your faucet and there was clean, drinkable, purified water coming out of the faucet. Be thankful for that. I hate my boss. At least you have a job. I hate my body. At least you have your health. Just changing your perspective. If you thank God for everything, before you ask him for anything, you'll realize you deserve nothing. Let me say that again. If you thank God for everything, before you ask him for anything, you'll realize you deserve nothing. Think about the Lord's Prayer for a second. When Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Not what you should pray, but how you should pray. And he says, our Father who art in heaven, what's the first line? Hallowed be your name. I'm just going to praise you. Can I just give you some thanksgiving? You're awesome. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Before he asks for anything, he praises him for everything. I love that. He says, that's how we should pray. But how often do our prayers not start with thanksgiving? How often do our prayers not start with praise reports, but they start with the problems that are before us? Proverbs 15, 15, and 16 say this. For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure in inner turmoil. So how do you get that happy heart? I don't think God's gifts alone bring us happiness. I don't. I think it's God's gift partnered with our gratitude. Anybody lose benefits at a job that you didn't appreciate and then once you lost them that you started to appreciate them? Like you got, you had health coverage at this job and then you got employed by somebody else and they didn't provide health coverage. You're like, oh yeah, I can get, I'll buy my own health coverage. How much is it? Oh, more than my mortgage. That makes complete sense. Yeah, okay. You know, and then, and then you're like, I'm so thankful for the, the, the benefits that I had. I didn't realize the benefits I had that, I wasn't appreciative of those. Right? We get so accustomed to benefits and thus take them for granted. When you first came into a relationship with Jesus, you remember the benefit package that came with that. Like what? You're going to forgive me of all my sins, like past, present, and future. What about this one right now? Wait, did you forget that one too? No way! You for, all my sins. Your mercies are new every morning. Like every morning. Every morning? Oh, man. You give me peace that passes all understanding? Like, I don't understand why I have peace. I, don't have, I shouldn't have peace. I can't understand the peace. But I got peace. I got peace that passes all understanding. You're, I can cast every care on you because you care for me. Every single one of them. What about this one? Whoa. You took it. Oh, man. You, your goodness and mercy follow me every day, all my days? Whoa. Shake I got goodness. <laughs> There's mercy, Rob. Right? It's following me all the days of my life. G- given, it's given back to me. How is it given back? A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, be poured into my lap. I love We We had this incredible benefit package. Listen to Psalm 68, 19. It says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. But then over time, what happens? We start to abuse those benefits. We start to take those benefits for granted. Well, that's just what the Lord does. I shouldn't do this. I know it's sinful. Eh, He'll forgive me. I don't know why we do that, but we do. We take advantage and take for granted the benefits that God gives to us. Look at Psalm 103, 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Forget not, church, all his benefits. We need just to bless the Lord, oh my soul. Can we just give him a praise offering tonight to just say thank you for what you've done, what you continue to do, and what you promise to do in my future? I'm so thankful that God is gracious. God is more gracious than your utility company.
1: Your utility
0: company needs to be appreciated at the end of every month. They need to feel that appreciation. If they don't feel appreciated, they're going to cut your power. That's how that works. And what they'll do is uh, they're going to let you have an opportunity to rectify the problem. They're going to send you a little letter in the mail, and it's going to be an uh, invitation For appreciation on their part, and and they're going to send it, and it's going to say at the top, it's going to say past due or something like that at the top. For some of us, our praise is past due. And maybe that's one reason you've seen a lack of power in your life lately. We need to praise him. You want power? You give God some praise. Give God some praise. Is your praise passed due? Have you been walking around in the blessings of your answered prayer request and not turned around and circled them and thanked him for all the many things that he's given to you? I pray for these things, and they come true. Did you turn around and give the thanks that was due to the one who answered the prayer? Yeah. Moses understood this principle. Listen to this. This is Deuteronomy 8, one of the best texts. Verse 7 through 10, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce. Glory to God, I want to be in this place. <laughs> I like rolls. And you'll lack Nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you've eaten and are satisfied, Moses says, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And it goes on through verse 18, but basically Moses says, maybe what you need in your life is not more accumulation, but more appreciation for what God has given to you to prepare you for what he's going to accumulate in your life in the future years to come. If you grow in the gifts, but you don't grow in your gratitude, what have you really gained? If God gives it, but you don't know what to do with it, it won't make you happy. Some of you, if, if God gave you a spouse right now, some of you who are single. If God gave you a spouse, you wouldn't appreciate it because you don't even appreciate yourself. And you haven't unwrapped the gift that is you. Sorry, that was a side note. That one's for free. Researchers study more and more that the happiest people on the planet are not the ones who have the best things, but who make the most of the things that they have. And you know this to be true. You have friends that have less than you do, and they have more joy than you do, and you've wondered why. Moses is saying God blesses you, and make sure you say the blessing. Pastor, in week two of this series, he titled it, Say So. So we've talked about this, but we just need to say the blessing, to say so, to thank you, Jesus. It's it's the simplest form of gratitude that we could possibly do. This is really elementary stuff here. This is what we teach our kids when they're three, four, five, say thank you. So we just need to say thank you. Say thank you. The exact verse is this, Deuteronomy 8.10. When you have eaten... And are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the, fill in the blank, for the food, for the good land. Whatever that for the, just whatever it is, for the, just praise the Lord your God for whatever you can think of. God, I thank you for, thank you for my clothes. I thank you for, I thank you for my nose. I thank you for, I thank you for a brain. It's the most computerized mechanism the world has ever, I thank you for this brain that can compute All the things that I'm seeing right now, and all the lights and color variations, and and sending all these messages to my brain all at the same time, and I thank you for that. I thank you for the air conditioner in Christian Life Austin that obviously works, because many of you are cold most of the time, and I thank you for the heater that we could turn on occasionally. I thank you that I have AC and I have heater. I'm thankful for running water. I'm thankful for my toilet. I'm thankful for... Two plush, Charmin plush, toilet paper. Glory to God. I'm thankful for I'm thankful for a country that I can worship in freely. I'm thankful for brothers and sisters in Christ that I can I can stand next to and worship you. I'm thankful for the grace you gave me today, because I need a whole bunch of it. I'm thankful for the prayers that you answered. Just thank him for the what? thankful for the sunshine i'm thankful for wisdom i'm thankful for my crazy family that makes me crazy i'm, I'm thankful for every just think whatever you can think of just start thinking for those things turn around and tell somebody something you're saying i'm thankful for that and then fill in the blank right now do it we just celebrated thanksgiving and we gotta shift we gotta shift to thanks living. It's one thing to give thanks, it's another thing to live thanks. Thanking him for the is the foundation of thanks living. But I think you got to take it a step further. Okay? Moses was teaching people to be thankful on the provision level. But David has taken us to another level. So David was was unique he was a shepherd boy. Uh, that same, of the prophet, called to be king, and 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 David never really lost his roots. He always remembered where he came from, and he was always cognizant of that. And, and David, I love, I love David. In, in Psalm twenty-three, you've heard it at funerals, but he says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." He makes me lie down in green pastures. He's he leads me beside quieter still waters. He refreshes or restores my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And then this is so critical. Look at verse 4. David takes it a step further with our gratitude. He says, no, we're not just going to thank him for the provision. Look at this, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So Moses has us thank God for the, and David has us thank God even though. Even though, even though, this is a deeper level of gratitude. This is a place where you learn to praise God, even though, even though some of you are going through what would be considered hell on earth in a particular area of your life, and it's not fun, and it's really ugly, but you can say, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. When you can sing, you give and take away, you give and take away, but my heart has chosen to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. When you can say, and on that day, my strength is failing. The end draws near, my time has come. Still, my soul will sing your praise unending 10,000 years and then forevermore. When you've got those even though moments and you can still be thankful and praise God, that's a different level of gratitude that some of us need to get to tonight. Moses said to thank God for the, but now we have to figure out what kind of Christians we're gonna be. Are we only gonna thank Him for the food? Are we only going to thank him for our finances? Are we only going to thank him for the fiancé? Are we going to thank him when we're single? (laughs) Am I going to thank him when life is good or am I going to thank him in the presence of my enemies? That's how verse 5, look at verse 5, 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And this is David writing a love letter to the Lord. My enemies are here. I'm in the presence of my insecurity. I'm in the presence of my doubts. I'm in the presence of my shortcomings. I'm in the presence of everything that I've lost. I'm in the presence of my addictions. I'm in the presence of my fear. I'm in the presence of my enemies. They're here. But you know what? My cup overflows. And I'm going to praise God even though. You have to learn to walk with God in the darkness. Dependent upon the life that he showed you in the previous season. If you can eat in the presence of enemies, if I can praise you under the weight of my burdens, everybody say, even though, even though, even though. <laughs> say it so the devil can hear you, even though. Even though. There's one more level of gratitude. Y'all want to get there? This is tough. I don't know if you're ready. I don't know if I'm ready. <laughs> this is tough. I've thanked him for the, like Moses. I've thanked him even though, like David. But now we got to, oh, this is tough. This is tough. This is tough for me. We got to praise him like Paul. Paul, um, man, Paul was such a giant of faith. And he's in prison in a Roman cell. He's writing a letter to Philippi. And in the moment he's writing it, there's persecution going on. They're trying to stir up trouble. They're actually trying to kill him in prison. In Philippians 1, listen to this. This is Paul. He says the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. He says "They're, they're stirring up trouble. Like I've got people here, and that's their MO. That's all they're setting out to do. They wake up. Thinking about, how can we get this guy in trouble? They go to sleep, dreaming about, how can I get this guy in trouble? That's all they're doing. But he says, this is the terminal degree of thanks living. This is it. He said, what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So we had the for the, we had the even though, and now we got the because of. He says, Yeah, they're stirring up trouble. Yeah, they want to kill me. But because of this, I rejoice. Because of this. These are the people that can look at the worst, even those, and not only praise God in the midst of those, even those, but find His purpose in the midst. Working in those, even those. First Thessalonians 5.18, we've looked at this verse every single week this month. It says, give thanks in all circumstances. In all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That is so easy to read. It is so difficult to live. Because of. I'm, I'm just going to praise him because of. Oh Romans eight twenty eight that in all things, not just some things or most things or good things or bad things, but in all things God is working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's his word. Either it's true or it's not. I wanna um close uh tonight just sharing Part of my story, and, and some of you have heard this. And for the sake of being repetitive, I apologize, but it's just a really good way, I think, to to end this thought on Thanksgiving and also to wrap up this series. I grew up in Snyder, Texas, a small town in West Texas of about ten thousand people. It's by Lubbock, Midland, Abilene, San Angelo. If you're familiar with that area, my family moved there when I was three. My dad assumed the position of president of a local bank there in Snyder. It, it was a national branch, but they had a local branch there in Snyder, and he assumed the position of president of that bank, and we were doing okay. When you're president of a bank, you, you, you bank, you know what I'm saying? You, you make good money, and, um, and so he spoiled me rotten. My, my dad, is, uh, his brother is Pastor Rex. And so, as you know him as a giver, my dad was in the same vein. He, they had the same blood, and he was a giver. He gave me everything I could ever want, every joy, every toy. He just blessed us. Um, but in 1989, six years after we moved there, um, the banks in America started to struggle. You know this if you were in, alive during that time. And uh, my dad's bank was the only branch of that entire bank that actually was profitable, Uh, but they decided to fire all of the presidents and vice presidents of that particular bank to save money because their highest paid personnel were the presidents and vice presidents. They just let them all go without any warning. My dad had never done anything else, and so he looked for another job in banking, couldn't find one um, immediately, and so he didn't know what he was going to do. He ended up opening up a fast food restaurant. It was a taco stand, like Taco Bell, um, not Taco Bell, but something similar to that, and, uh, but in that time frame, we continued to live in an extravagant house with extravagant cars. And, and we had, I had two older sisters who both had cars. My mom and dad both had a car, so we were paying four car notes. I mean, just accumulating a lot of debt, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt borrowing from creditors and family and friends and just promising to pay them back. And then, of course, we incur all this other debt by being an entrepreneur and starting this new business. So we're selling tacos, and the, the business did well, but it's pretty tough to make a dent in that debt when you're so far in in. The whole. So fast forward to 1992, and uh, it was October of 92. I'm in sixth grade. I'm 12 years old at the time, and uh, I was doing a project. We had a project due uh, on the mysteries of the world, and I had chosen the Titanic. This was long before Jack and Rose were on the front of the ship. So I'm, I'm working on the Titanic thing, and I'd, I'd waited till the last night to do it. And my dad, who hated procrastination, usually would yell at me. But he came in that night, and he actually sat down and he helped me finish my project and put it all together, which I thought was a really nice gesture. My mother had gone back to teaching, she was a school teacher, I had quit when my dad got the banking position, but rehired once uh, he lost his job, and so she went out to school that next morning, and my dad took me to school, and again, I'm in sixth grade, and he, he drops me off, and he looks at me, my dad is like me, plus about 50 pounds, plus a couple of inches, he was a pretty big boy, and uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, I love you, big boy, and he started crying, my dad, I never seen my dad cry in 12 years of life, and I rarely heard him say I love you, although I knew he did. And uh, all I can think of is, get me out of this car. <laughs> because in the sixth grade, like, your image is kind of all you got. And I'm like, somebody's going to see you weeping on this curb here. So I'm like, get me out of this car. He's like, you want me to help you take your project into school? I'm like, no, no, I got it. I got it. Thanks, Sweepy. And so I I took it inside, and uh, we're presenting our projects. And, and this was later in the afternoon around lunchtime. And the PA system, you know, in the school's. Uh, came over and said, Reed, your mother wants to have lunch with you, which was odd. That had never happened. But I'm like, "Woohoo!" So I, I got out of school for lunch, and I go to the principal's office, and there I met with, uh, not by my mother, but I met by my next-door neighbor and his brother, who was the principal of the high school where my mother taught school. I knew both these men very well. It was just kind of odd they were picking me up. They said, we're going to take you home. I said, that's fine. So I got in the car, and I remember, I remember driving home, I was in the back seat. It was completely silent. There were uh, no radio, no air conditioning. I remember the leaves had just started to turn and fall, and there were leaves that were hitting the windshield as we drove. And we drove. We weren't very far—probably a mile and a half from the house. And we pull up to the house. There's cars everywhere. And uh, I ran in the house. There were a lot of these people crying, and I, I ran straight to my parents' bedroom. And I saw my mother. She was sitting on the edge of the bed. And she was surrounded by some of her close friends who were all weeping. And I said, "What's going on? What's going on? What's going on?" And She said, your dad has committed suicide. My dad, because of pride, thought that was the best option. Because he was so embarrassed that he had accumulated all this debt. And thought the insurance policy would get us all back on even street. uh, I remember, I was 12, and I remember being very angry at God. Very angry. I wrote a, a letter to him, to God, and it was titled, Why God? And it was just vehement blurbs. I just, I, I was so mad. I remember the youth group coming to see me. We grew up in a Christian home, and the youth group, I wasn't even in youth group. I wasn't old enough. But they came to console me, and I, I couldn't get them out of my room fast enough. I didn't want anything to do with Jesus. Why would God allow something like this to happen? And uh, my mom would try to get me to go to church. I had no desire at all. So I'd go reluctantly. Um, so fast forward about seven, eight months, and I went to this event. They had an event in Lubbock, which was a neighboring town, and there were about 3,000 youth, young adult, young young people that were at this um, event. And I, I know I didn't go for Jesus. I don't remember why. I went probably girls. I was 12. And, uh, but it wasn't for Jesus, I promise. And I went... And there's again 3,000 people in this this venue. And I don't remember, that was 25 years ago. I do not remember why, but I got to go backstage to meet the speaker. Like the keynote speaker of the whole thing was a guy by the name of Dawson McAllister. Some of you may know him because he's a radio show. And he, he was the keynote speaker. And there were like five of us that got to go backstage and meet him. We have to understand for eight months, I've been screaming at God and I'm getting nothing, nothing, no response. And that was frustrating. And so I thought, well, here's a Godhead, a figurehead of the Lord that claims to be a pastor. So I'm going to let him have it and see what he has to say. So I felt like in hindsight, don't ever do that to me, okay? Like, that was the worst thing ever. I just dumped on this poor dude. I mean, and Dawson just sat there. His back was hurting him that day. And so he was just sitting there kind of leaning like this and just listening to me go like, if God is love, then why did he allow this? And, why did and I'm just letting this dude have it, acting as if he were God himself. And he looks at me, and he he quotes the worst scripture he could possibly have quoted of all the Bible to me. He says, read. James 1-2 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What? And I looked at him as cold as I could, and I said, how can I consider my dad's death pure joy? And he turned back one page in the Bible to Hebrews 12:2 it says let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy same word set before him endured the cross and he said read if if Jesus can have joy going to the cross then you can have joy in the trials of your life even the loss of loved ones and that seems so silly and elementary and simplistic now, but back then it just worked. And something clicked for me. And I came home and I told my mom. I said, "I'm going to give this whole God thing another shot. I'm not going to use this as a stumbling block. I'm going to try to use this as a stepping stone and try to make the most of my life because I think that's what Dad would want. I think that's what Dad would want. Both dads, Heavenly Dad, Earthly Dad, and and." So, about that same time, my mother said, well, Reed, um, your dad spoiled you. I know you like things, and if you want to continue to get things, you're going to get a job. I'm like, I'm 12. Like, that's breaking labor laws or something. I know I can't get a job. I can't walk into Pizza Hut. I'm, I'm 12. And she said, figure it out. And so I thought, I don't like manual labor, so I wasn't going to mow lawns. And, um, and so I said, well, maybe I could do, do illusions. I like illusions. I'll do some, some illusion shows, like magic shows for birthday parties and stuff. And I started doing that, and I made some money doing that, and that got me really comfortable at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, just being in front of people. That didn't scare me, as it scares so many of you. If you had to come up here and speak, that would make you really nervous. I was never nervous, because that was something that... And so I I was comfortable in in a public uh, forum, and so at 17, instead of going and applying at a pizza place or a fast food joint, uh, I went and applied at a radio station. And uh, they gave me two shifts, Saturday morning and Sunday morning, and the Sunday morning it was a country radio station, but on Sunday morning, they switched programming to a Christian station. And the guy that gave me the show was not a Christian. He said, I'm giving this to you. And he said, it's the easiest show ever. He said, you play this CD track one, this CD track one, this CD track two, this CD track two. And he says, you'll get like one call. It's the simplest job ever. The CDs were from 1843. They were the worst Christian music in the history of the world. I was like, I've never heard of any of these songs. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start trying to play some contemporary stuff. So I try to mix some of that in and it kind of had like the K-Love, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I started playing some of that and we started getting some phone calls and we were getting hundreds of phone calls every Sunday morning for requests and people calling in with prayer requests and people calling in with Bible verses. And my non-Christian boss came to me about two years later and he said, I see the success of this show, this show that we were just trying to appease people and have a Sunday morning worship hour. And it's become such a success and we're getting so much advertising on this that I want to turn our full-time rock station into a christian station and make you the program director of this christian station so i'm 19 years old i don't know how to tie my shoes but i'm programming a radio station of christian music for all these people which burst into this this nationally syndicated christian radio thing that my friend and i did and and we had this festival we talked anyway my point is this and then i don't know seven eight years later i got into church ministry i i'm here today and I, I honestly say this. Listen, listen. And if you heard my story, you know I'm consistent with this. I don't think my dad died so that my, for my sisters or, or for, for my mom. I honestly don't think that I'd be here today had my dad not died. I would. Lo- I would give anything to have my dad back. Anything. But if he were here, I'd be selling tacos. I just think I would. There's nothing wrong with tacos. If you sell, ta- I like tacos. I think you know I like tacos. But I'm preaching today because of what should have been the worst and it is the worst event in my life that's ever happened to me is bringing about the very best moments of my life today because of it's a it's a different kind of thing. I'm asking God to give me a concrete enough idea of his purpose in my life that I don't just thank him for the I don't just thank him even though he brought me through something, but I can have faith to praise him because of. Because of what? Not because of the pain. I don't thank him for the pain. But I do thank him for what the pain is producing in me. You've got to get to a point where you can say, I know the Lord well enough to know what he's doing in my life. Listen, there's a, there's a verse, and it's overused, and it's and it's taken out of context often, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give a hope and a future. Again, it's taken out of context a lot. But here's the thought is I, I don't know the plans. I don't know the plans for me. I don't know the plans for you, but I know the God who has the plans. And it's almost as good as knowing the plans because he's a good God, so the plans must be spectacular. him and ask you to come. So we say, God, we thank you for everything. I mean, everything you've allowed to be put in my life. Because I know, you know the plans. If it didn't serve God's purpose, He wouldn't have allowed it to be in your life. In all things, say in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. So let's be thankful in all things. Here's how we're going to close tonight. We're going to close tonight the way we started this whole thing four weeks ago. We're going to sing 10,000 reasons because I have 10,000 reasons plus for my heart to find to give praise and honor and glory to Jesus.